Hey, are you into werewolves, mad scientists, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. The following podcast contains... You cannot say filth, flying filth, flying filth in front of people. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. You actually let him do it. You swore him in. What the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is a Friday, January 20th, 2017, No Hope But Mount Hope edition of the show where we talk about why maybe, maybe we don't all die over the next four years. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you in part by Zed's Apocalypse Vault. Hoping for the best, but man, preparing for the worst. Zed specializes in all forms of disaster preparedness supplies. From anthrax to zombies, Zed's got you covered. All this week, as Zed is offering an inaugural special, our simplest, most user-friendly guns are on sale. Never held one before? Our Smith & Wesson line of revolvers are point-and-shoot simple. You get a one-hour free handgun training class if you show your Democratic Party registration. Zeds, y'all thought we were crazy worried about the end of the world, but here it is. We'd like everyone to open their books of the apocalypse to the chapter of Stephen King, The Stand, chapter 55, page 437. When I was a boy, the judge said, we lived within walking distance of the finest cemetery in Illinois. Its name was Mount Hope. Every night after supper, my father, who was then in his early sixties, would take a walk, and sometimes I would walk with him. And if the walk took us past this perfectly maintained necropolis, he would say, What do you think, Teddy? Is there hope? And I would answer, There's Mount Hope. Every time he'd roar with laughter, as if it had been the first time. Sometimes I think we walked past that boneyard just so he could share that joke with me. He was a wealthy man but it was the funniest joke he seemed to know. I pinned the beginning of this script on Wednesday. I'm assuming by 6.30 p.m. on a Friday when I usually start recording the world is not currently in flames. If there is a firestorm of nuclear apocalypse in progress at the time that I would normally be recording, which is now, rest assured that I would be looting the liquor store nearest to my office and climbing to the top of the crossular building to sit on those eagle thingies to watch the world burn with my remaining moments. I have a plan. Great. Custer had a plan, too. It is 6.35 p.m. on January 20th, 2017, and as of right now, no missiles. So, we got that going for it. And I'm assuming you've all watched what I'm sure was a well-attended and popular swearing-in of our nation's 45th and possibly last president of the United States, that it was just huge and the, just the most amazing inauguration, just really incredible. And now we're staring at the yawning chasm of the future before us, the inky void of our doom. This is supposed to be a happy occasion. Let's not bicker and argue about who killed who yes the king of swamp castle is right this is not a time for despair this is a show about 
hope because pod friends, instead of an angry, bitter rant from a drunk and debatably mentally unbalanced podcast host, tonight we will focus on looking forward, accentuating the positive, eliminating the negative, latching on to the affirmative, and eliminating Mr. In-Between like a political enemy banished to a re-education camp in North Dakota, where they will be forced to work on new pipelines cutting across treaty-protective Native American lands. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? After all, this is hardly the first time we've sworn at a president widely considered to be a dangerously unstable warmonger with a penchant towards vengeance and authoritarianism. I mean, when we swore in old Andy Jackson, a rangy Tennessee paragon of southern manhood who made his early fortune as a slave trader and Indian killer before moving on to a successful military career, roundly defeating the British at the Battle of New Orleans... Admittedly, a peace treaty was signed about a month before that battle, but there was no possible way Andy could have known that. Or, to be more honest, it's highly likely Andy wouldn't have cared if he did. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, shit. After fighting a particularly nasty election in 1824, Jackson was elected to our nation's highest office in 1828 as a man of the people. Naturally, the elites in Washington were horrified that a hillbilly frontiersman like Jackson would defile the office of presidents with his crude ways and predilections for executing people who disobeyed him. His supporters were widely regarded as a bunch of uneducated rubes fresh off their dirt farms and hankering to get their hands on a piece of that Washington pie. That his supporters mobbed the White House on the day of his inauguration, eating all the food and drinking all the booze and trashing the place like 20,000 hungry dwarves on a hobbit's doorstep. Chip the glasses, crank the plates. That's what Bilbo Baggins hates. That's what Bilbo Baggins hates. So carefully, carefully with the plates. Blunt the knives and bend the forks. Smash the bottles, burn the corks. That's what Bilbo Baggins hates. So carefully, carefully with the did nothing to alleviate their particular fears in that regard. I mean, it was so bad that Jackson had to slip out a window to escape the mob. What I'm saying is that Jackson was a widely feared person, but things didn't turn out so bad. I mean, if you ignore him threatening to send the army to occupy South Carolina in a tax dispute, and you just disregard his forcefully relocating hundreds of thousands of Native Americans for their ancestral lands and abrogation of numerous treaties in what became the Trail of Tears. I mean, come on. Or how this, when the Supreme Court said that forcing those, you know, Native Americans off their property was kind of sort of against the law, Jackson's reaction was, uh... Well, what are they going to do about it, Whitey? And since the Supreme Court couldn't actually do anything about it, everyone just sort of shrugged and moved on to the recently vacated lands that the Indians used to live on. You should just ignore the times he vetoed legislation to 18 states of, that, that his political enemies represented and didn't even pretend it wasn't out of spite. I mean, come on. And you also shouldn't concern yourself about that time he just wrote off the national debt, defaulting on our loans to citizens and other nations. No big because his egregious fiscal policies certainly didn't start the Panic of 1837, the year after he got out of the White House. But aside from these tiny little things, his presidency wasn't so bad. 
I mean, everyone was like super worried when the second Bush took office. I mean, it was this deeply divisive election where the winner so lost the popular vote and only won on electoral technicality. But when he was in office, he pursued a right-wing agenda incredibly unpopular with large sections of the country. But, you know, things, they, they worked out okay. If you overlook ignoring the intelligence leading up to September 11th, his failure to capture Osama bin Laden when we had him cornered in Tora Bora, and of course, that whole little thing we had in Iraq, that, that Katrina thing in New Orleans, and yeah, there was, there was that economic crash, but once you get past those few little hiccups, all of our fears about George W. Bush were completely unfounded. I just want to die peacefully. So, you know, just because a thinking person who's read the writing on the wall of history and smell the burning fires of current events, they're just a bunch of partisan hacks who are trying to undermine the legally elected and sworn-in president. They're just really a bunch of nervous Nellies. I mean, what's the worst that could happen if you ignore the fact that we just gave control of our massive nuclear arsenal to a man so petty he's infuriated by a bumbling, bloated, vacuous character to him on a late-night television show? Please, I mean, come on, how, how would you like to be played week after week by Alec Baldwin highlighting your propensity for vanity, self-aggrandizement, and your utter lack of intellectual depth. Now you're just being cruel, aren't you? I, I know people who are worried about mass deportations, but again, I, I don't think there's going to be a problem with our new president once he learns that white people would never take jobs trimming gawns at golf courses or changing the sheets in hotel rooms. It is simply beneath my dignity. Plus, it's really hard to mow those straight lines on the greens when you're stoned out of your mind on heroin. Muslim registries. This is a guy who puts 50 folders full of hundreds of blank pages on a desk and then lies about them being legal documents. There's every reason to believe that his registry would be an Excel spreadsheet lifted from a DOJ fantasy football league circa 2008. Sure, Drew Brees might be rounded up and renditioned to Yemen by accident, but frankly, what the hell has that guy been doing lately? Very overrated. Should be deported. Sad. I mean, it's entirely possible that a Trump presidency might not be all bad. After all, just this week, he said the amazing, fantastic, very good, and not at all imaginary plan to replace Obamacare, which will just be the best, really. Simply amazing. People are going to be so well insured that they're going to want to get cancer. will include insurance for everyone. How much more proof do you need? I mean, how hard can it be they do it in Canada? I mean, how how strange would it be if the Trump administration somehow accidentally gave us single-payer health care? Stranger things have happened, McWork. Okay, okay, I know that's not going to happen. But when he said it, I hear Paul Ryan's eyes just popped out of his head like an old Warner Brothers cartoon. And that alone constitutes a small victory because anything that makes Paul Ryan shit himself is a net game for everyone who thinks poor people should not be forced to eat out of a dumpster behind an Arby's. It's just adding insult to injury. At least let them eat out of a Popeye's dumpster, Paul Ryan, you fucking objectivist asshole. Trump says he wants a massive infrastructure package. Hey, maybe it might could happen. You don't know. I mean, who wouldn't want bridges that don't randomly fall into riv the river while you're driving over them? Four years from now, when you land at Trump International Airport, New York, after taking off from Trump International Airport, Los Angeles, you will thank the Donald for the beautiful new infrastructure. You saw it as you flew across America. The fantastic Trump-branded dams. The miles of gleaming 
Gold Trump ways cutting through the heartland. Gold-plated bridges blazing the Trump logo from their spans over our majestic rivers and brand new Rosie O'Donnells protecting our cities from floods. See, Mr. Trump actually loves and respects women, and that's why he named those protective levees after Rosie. Why, the Trump infrastructure plan would revitalize our economy and smear the Trump name from sea to rising sea. We're going to win, win, win. You're going to get so tired of winning. You're going to say, Mr. President, please, we don't want to win anymore. It's too much. And you're going to win with jobs. Motherfuckers are going back to work in this country. Across this great nation, coal mines will spew forth their atmosphere-clogging product, driving up global temperatures, causing more jobs to be created building seawalls and rosies. Coal-fired cars will roll off assembly lines as Detroit gets back on the job of employing thousands of Americans, assembling real American cars. I mean, big enough to land a fucking plane on with Goddamn fins in the back and bench seats and a four on the floor and drive-in movie theaters will blossom across the country providing jobs for our kids as we watch good American movies where the actors don't get all mouthy about their politics and they know their place. It will be just like the blacklist days in Hollywood, except, you know, not about the Russians because the Russians are great. We're going to build houses financed by adjustable rate mortgage with massive balloon payments in just a few years so Wall Street can make billions by stacking these mortgages together and selling them to morons, just like they did before we passed all those stupid regulations, keeping good, honest American billionaires from making millions more on the backs of poor people who deserve anyway because they t- are takers and not makers. Job, job, jobs. Why, if a man is not afraid of a little hard work, there'll be a job for him. Well, the world needs ditch diggers too. And we haven't forgotten the ladies out there. You too will be made great again just as soon as you're issued your red dress with a gold tee on the back. We've all been so negative. I mean, think about this. People come from all over the world to China to see some crumbling old wall from like, I don't know, a hundred years ago. But when we see the Trump wall across the border, way more people are going to come see that, mostly because they never believed it would happen. And it's just going to be the best wall. And you will totally be able to see the Trump wall from space, not like that other one in I don't know, where is it? China. 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 Imagine it stretching thousands of miles across the desert. 50, no, fuck 50, 60 feet high, painted gold and gleaming in the sun. Our new wall will be the eighth wonder of the world, and all paid for by Mexico, eventually. All you haters and losers will just have to suck on it when you see this mother beautiful wall. Maybe we've been so cynical about a secret plan to defeat ISIS and Islamic terror. I mean, he, after he's built the wall, given us all insurance and jobs and built that fucking beautiful infrastructure, beat down China, you can bet your sweet bippy 
he could take down ISIS, that would be so easy, it would probably take like an hour or two with our new super military that Trump is going to build. Planes, tanks, ships, and guns like we've never seen before. I mean, sure, we've already got the largest and most powerful military on Earth, but why stop there? Because when the Trump star is built, Now witness the firepower of this fully armed and operational battle station. No paltry terrorist force will be safe. Unless, of course, they're running around a moon with a bunch of Muppets that look like anthropomorphized puppies. But frankly, we find your lack of faith disturbing. Maybe, just maybe, this Trump thing will work out. I mean, after all... 40 million Americans can't be completely fucking stupid enough to elect a guy who won't do any of the things he said he was going to do, right? I mean, there's some, surely, some small chance that we make it out of here, and it's, if not okay, at least with a couple of nice bridges, roads, or airports, right? Right? Yeah, the next few years are going to be about as bad as it gets. Chances are good that Trump will round up and deport a lot of people. Very likely bar people from terror-prone countries from entering the United States. Shut down refugee entry. And yes, he's going to build something on the border with Mexico that we are going to pay for. Odds are... He's going to start a trade war with China. Hell, he's probably going to start an actual shooting war with China. Civil rights are going to be in the shitter. Voting is going to get really hard for minorities in red states. And it's very, very probable you're about to lose your health care. But if it's any consolation at all, you probably won't die in a nuclear fire because I believe that Secretary Mattis would stop him before he could launch the nukes, even if he has to beat him to death with a nuclear football. Mad Dog doesn't sleep. He'll be right outside his door. The next few years are going to challenge what it means to be an American. Why would that make me feel any better? At the same time, we've been through worse. We have! Seriously! We've lived through 241 years of our history, and we've suffered fools, crooks, fuckwits, and genuine evil men sitting in the White House. Because I don't know how anyone could look at Andrew Jackson and not see an evil man. James Buchanan filled with his diddle while the Civil War brewed. Andrew Johnson fumbled his way through Reconstruction, allowing the foundations of Jim Crow to be laid down so the structures could be built on them when Rutherford B. Hayes was elected and pulled federal troops out of the South before, you know, the habit of human decency was forced down their redneck throats. Woodrow Wilson, for any accomplishments he might have had in other areas, was a virulent racist who purged the federal government of African Americans. Herbert Hoover just figured that people can help themselves out of the Depression. You know, bootstrap their way up. Helped along with some forced deportation of Mexicans. Even FDR, perhaps the best president since Lincoln, decided that if the Supreme Court wouldn't play ball with him, he'd just increase the size of the court and stack it with friendly judges. LBJ invented lies to admire us in Vietnam while simultaneously passing the largest civil rights law and expanding the social safety net in history. Something, by the way, that every Republican since LBJ has tried to demolish. Nixon was a crook 
Ford was a bumbling ineffectual. Carter was essentially too decent of a man to be an effective leader, and Reagan probably had Alzheimer's from day one. Bush, the first little war in Iraq, set the stage for 9-11. Clinton was a serial sex offender and opened the door to the economic collapse of 2008 with those loopholes so that Wall Street could drive oil tankers through them. Bush the second, well, we talked about him, and Obama's record on privacy and drone strikes was fucking pathetic. And we made it through all of these people in the White House. We've stumbled through wars, economic depression, civil rights strife, poverty, crime, booms and busts. I mean, our cities were falling apart in the 70s, only to rebound in the 90s and explode in the 2000s. And talking about crime, it's at an all-time low. The underlying conditions of the crime wave that existed when we were kids, or when most of you weren't born, is gone. We've cleaned up our environment, tackled acid rain, closed the hole in the ozone layer, we've achieved remarkable advances in civil rights, and massive steps towards the equality of women. We're not there yet, but we're working on it. We've torn down false walls on LBGTQ rights, and in one generation, half a generation, changed the hearts and minds of this country about marriage equality. We've seen dramatic change in the past 20 years for the better. And are we at the mountaintop? No, but at least we can get directions on our iPhone from Siri from here on out. Yes, Trump is the worst thing to happen to us in at least 40 years. And yes, we will lose ground on the things we've done, but he cannot take and tear down the walls and take away all we have fought for. The only thing harder than giving rights to disenfranchised people is taking them away after they have them. That is when people start to fight, and fight we will. To paraphrase a couple of politicians, we shall go on until the end. We shall fight them in Washington, D.C. We will fight them in North Carolina, in Georgia, and Oklahoma, and Kansas. We shall fight with growing confidence, and we shall defend our liberties. We shall fight in Kentucky. We shall fight in California, and Arizona, and Texas. We shall stand and fight for what we believe, and we will never surrender. We will rip pages from the Tea Party and turn out at every town hall and every Q&A politicians hold. We will organize and rally, march and protest, and when it comes time, we will vote because our key is in our number. The silent, apathetic masses of those who did not vote, who did not believe their votes matter. We will teach, we will preach, we will annoy the living shit out of those people, and they will turn out at the polls just so we shut the fuck up and leave them alone. We will force our media with the power of our dollars to stop the bullshit quote reporting unquote to stop reading his tweets and start watching what he's doing. We will pay attention to what is happening in the halls of power and hope politicians to account for their actions. We will organize and donate to candidates who will listen to us and not their corporate masters with our small dollar donations. We shall do this and the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. And because if we don't, we are well and truly fucked. 
I'm not going to lie here at the end of the show. Hell, maybe at the end of all things, what we face is the greatest threat to our union and society that we possibly had in the history of our country. We lost focus. We allowed a truly dangerous man to assume power. But we're not Germany in the 1930s or even Italy in the 1990s. We have a long history of fucking up and then getting our shit together when it matters. Well, right now, it matters. It's time to stand up, dust your fucking knees off, and get to work. Because, hey, it's only our country after all. And to all the folks out there who voted for this president, for whatever reason, there will be a reckoning. Oh, I, I don't mean that we're going to come for you and put you in camps, but a real consequence for your actions in what you just did. The one thing that will make liberals stop fighting each other and focus on you. You woke up a generation who already thought most of what you believe in is bullshit, and you gave them a focus. Your last gasp at recreate america long since in the dust bin of history just told a massive generation only now coming into the political and economic voice that you don't give a shit about them proved what they long suspected to be true that you would happily squander their future for your short-term gain there will be a reckoning, and you will not like it. They will come for you in time, and when you are sitting in your government health care funded old folks home, wondering why your kids never come to visit you, I want you to look back on January 20th, 2017, when you fucking swore in an orange fascist, and know that is the reason why. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. On Oops! The Podcast, join me, comedian Giulio Gallarotti, as I examine everyday life, the mistakes, the bad decisions, the goals, the jokes, the social engagements, and all things in between. I'm joined every week by producer and personal confidant, Ryan Lynch, various other comedians for witty, candid, and intoxicating conversation. Our listeners love Oops! for sophisticated banter, aka your mom could listen, and many feel like they're in the room with us chopping it up with old pals. You can find every episode of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. That is it for our show this week. Let me peek out the studio window here and, uh, nope, nope, it's, uh, 7.40. Gavin, do you see any mushroom clouds? Oh, climb off them under your desk. That duck and cover shit doesn't work. No, it seems like we're gonna be okay for tonight. If we make it through the weekend without being rounded up and sent to a camp, then we'll all start fresh again on Monday. I really want everyone out there to listening to the sound of my voice to keep up hope. Things are bad, but the world didn't end today. 
And so long as the world hasn't ended, we can still work for a better tomorrow. And if the world does end, well, shit, you won't actually care anyway. Speaking of not caring, it hurts us that you haven't rated and reviewed this show on iTunes and Stitcher. After all, if the world is ending, why not listen to a low-rated podcast with your friends? And this, and this, may be the end of the world. So, if between the time that you're desperately having sex with other liberals out there... God, I have to leave the studio and get out there and have some end-of-the-world sex. Sorry, sorry. Um, hey, so you should probably rate and review us. If you're in the mood for more post-apocalyptic doom and gloom, follow the show on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast and the show name on Facebook. All of the shows are at the show name on SoundCloud and at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, producer Gavin, who's been a prepper for years now and produces the show from an underground bunker in Queens and all the other Scottish mutants on the show, we want to say that it takes a strong man baby, but we're showing Trump the door because you got to have faith. Faith, 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 baby! Come on, I'm going to play George Michael just because I didn't do it at the end of 